I think our first reading from Ezekiel and our gospel today tie in pretty well. A few, few highlights and ways that I connect them in my mind. First of all, we have this prophecy in Ezekiel that he's going to take all his people and he's going to gather them from the nations and bring them back to this promised land. And it, it is a, it's something that should be read symbolically. And when it comes to the kingdom of God, there are two kinds of gatherings. The one gathering, in fact, the, the word church itself, okay, it goes back to a Greek word that essentially means gathering, okay? And the archetypical image of gathering in the Old Testament is when all of Israel were gathered together in uh, at the foot of Mount Sinai in the book of Exodus. And then when they, as a group, traveled through the desert. And so that in the Old Testament is referred to as, as the, believe it or not, the word church is used. In the Greek tradition of the Bible, the word church is used. So our understanding, when we say the word church, it goes, we should have in our mind an image of a huge number of people gathered together as one people, and they're there listening to God's word, and they're following God through the desert to the promised land. That's kind of the image we should have in our mind. So that's one kind of gathering. But the other gathering is that gathering, that final gathering, when God gathers us into his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven in heaven, not just the kingdom of heaven manifest on earth in the church, but the kingdom of heaven in eternity at the second coming of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're looking at in the gospel. We see this final ingathering. People are invited to this banquet. And they're going to be coming in. And we see this one guy that he doesn't, he's not wearing the proper attire. So he gets booted. Okay. So what's the proper attire? If you take the symbolism too literally, you're going to think of it in terms of something external to this person, external to us, like a robe like a baptismal garment. But see, the baptismal garment, for example, it signifies something interior. So it's not that this guy forgot to check off a few boxes or did some kind of arbitrary, he he failed to do some kind of arbitrary external thing and he's getting kicked out of eternity for it. Rather, he's lacking something internal. Okay, And that thing that he's lacking internal is God's grace. And that's what Again, going back to our first reading, the Lord is talking about through the prophet Ezekiel when he says, I'm going to gather them back to their land and I'm going to sprinkle clean water upon them and I'm going to give them a new heart and a new spirit. You see the interiority of the New Testament religion. This is the new covenant. It's a law that God doesn't impose upon us from the outside like he did at Mount Mount Sinai but rather it's a law that he places within us. It's a spiritual principle. It's his own living grace. It's a participation in his own life and his own being. That's what that new law is. And, of course, it's associated with what? The sacrament of baptism. Thus the prophet talks about the sprinkling of clean water. So it's that baptismal grace, that baptismal garment that we need to have. And it's given to us as a gift uh, there isn't any box that we can check off or hoops that we can jump through to, to get that gift. It's, it's just given to us uh, through baptism. 
We don't earn it. But we are responsible for maintaining it throughout the course of our life. And that's why in the baptismal ritual, the priest will say to the parents and to the person who just got baptized, make sure that you keep this baptismal garment unstained until the coming of Jesus Christ. So we are responsible for keeping it clean and keeping ourselves free of mortal sin, which is the death of that that grace, that life of grace in our hearts. And of course, if we do have the unfortunate uh, occasion to fall into mortal sin, that grace can be restored to us through repentance. Normally through the sacrament of reconciliation would be the normal means that that grace is restored to us. So God has given us through the sacraments the, the means uh, that we need to make sure that that garment is kept unstained and that when the Lord shows up at the wedding party, we've got the proper attire and we're, and we're not going to get booted out. But the emphasis and the importance, I think, for us and what I'd like to focus on and maybe tie it into St. Bernard is how this grace is an interior reality. Uh, again, it's not something external. It's, religion cannot be reduced. True religion cannot be reduced to the observance of mere externalities. We might try to do that for a while, but we will find that eventually we don't have the gas to kind of take us the whole way. Something's going to falter. Something's going to fail. And we need to, by experience, to find that we need to more and more rely upon God's grace. And that's an interior reality, and it comes through prayer and through uh, the virtue of faith and hope and charity. St. Bernard was someone who definitely, definitely lived that interior spiritual life. He was a great saint, and I think he was, uh, I, would, I would guess he lived around the year 1100 or so. Okay, So kind of right before this era where the doctors of the church started to take a very different uh, turn, and they're known as the scholastics. So Bernard is not a scholastic. He's kind of like the last of the doctors of the church that were the old time style, of the old time style going back to St. Augustine, for example, as, as early as the fourth century. Uh, but in any event, St. Bernard was a very holy man. He came from a wealthy family and he had a lot of brothers. And I think he had one sister. And he was so zealous in his pursuit of Christ that he decided to become a monk. Uh, he's a very bright man, and his family was kind of hoping he'd become an important sort of political figure. Um, and in event, uh, kind of indirectly, he actually did, but but he became a monk. That was what he wanted to become. And every time they uh, opportuned him, uh, opportuned him for to become a bishop, he always refused. So he 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 wanted to remain a monk, and he was he did remain a monk until his death. But he was so zealous when he entered religion, he inspired his brothers to do the same thing. What he found, though, and they entered the same monastery, they were Cistercians. And what he found, though, by experience is that he was so, he was living the interior life. And he was living a life of grace from the inside out. But he was so austere and so severe with himself and his penances that he found it was like he was punishing his brothers. He couldn't, his brothers couldn't keep up with him. And uh, you see, what was for him an interior grace and a gift became for those around him 
like a club, an exterior, an external sort of rule that was, they couldn't handle it. It was like it was pounding them over the head. It was like the law on Mount Sinai, you know, law written on tablets as opposed to law written in the hearts. And so what he learned by experience is that he had to kind of soften things up. Okay, he didn't soften things up for himself because he could handle the austerity. But when he related to other people, he softened it up. And thereby what he found is that he was more effective in cultivating and inspiring God's grace in other people's lives by doing that. So it was a very kind of salutary lesson that he learned very early on in his monastic career. And he took that with him his whole life. And that's what made him such a, such a successful preacher, whereas he was tough on himself, but he learned he had to be gentle with others. And thereby, others would be led into the way of grace, into that spiritual path of interiority, that renewal of the heart that we hear about in Ezekiel. Uh, so it's a great lesson for him. It's a great lesson for, for all of us. Uh, by God's grace, we follow his path, uh, not by externally checking off boxes or jumping through hoops, um, but uh, but always relying upon that interior reality that is the Holy Spirit that we receive through the gift of baptism.